Hey guys, before we get started today, I wanted to take a quick minute to tell you about Ladder. Ladder is a sports nutrition brand that is seeking to change the way that supplements are made. They've worked with top scientists to try to formulate a line of clean performance products. Unlike other supplements out there, every batch is tested by a third party to verify the highest standards of quality and safety. All of their products are certified for sport by the NSF, which is the gold standard for quality in the sports nutrition and supplement business. So you know that they're serious about quality and performance. I've been able to sample a few of their products recently. They have a bunch of very cool products, including a pre-workout supplement that is meant to help boost your energy levels to prepare for your workouts. There is a hydration supplement that you can mix in with water and just have during your workout, whether you're on the run or in the gym or whatever that is. What my family and I have really been enjoying so far is their protein products. They have a whey protein and a plant protein supplement that's a powder that you mix in with your daily shake. They're vanilla flavored or chocolate flavored, and they help give a little extra kick to your nutritional shake. So we've enjoyed mixing those in to our shakes and giving a real boost in terms of both flavor and nutrition. Ladder's goal is to help you unlock your best in any situation. So what that means right now is access to special offers and expert advice from their online community. You can use the code BETTEREVERYDAY for 30% off everything site-wide at ladder.sport. That's BETTEREVERYDAY, B-E-T-T-E-R-E-V-E-R-Y-D-A-Y, for 30% off at ladder, L-A-D-D-E-R, dot sport. And thank you to Ladder for sponsoring this episode. Hello and welcome to The Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I'm your host and I am very excited to be joined by a good friend of mine, the director of the School of Communications and Media at Montclair State University. He is the former director of the Center for Sports Communication at Marist College and he is the inaugural champion of the Dining Hall Classic. He is Keith Strudler. Keith, welcome to The Pain Cave. I'm glad you got that that third reference in. It's something I wear around on my shoulder with both a lot of pride and a lot of responsibility because, you know, there's only one first ever winner of the Dining Hall Classic. It's something something that I know people look at me differently because of, uh, you know, I have to act a certain way when I eat publicly. People right. are going to watch how I ingest. Right. I mean, they look at you differently, not necessarily in a good way. Yeah. Well, the same way they normally look at me, of course. <laughs> you know, it was funny because you started this podcast and I wasn't sure if we had started the podcast like two minutes before when we were just talking, it was like, it's like that part in Spaceballs. They're like, like when they're watching the movie in the movie, they're like, no, speed up to now. No, back, back. And they're like, to now. And they're like, where are we in the movie? We're in the movie now. <laughs> so I never know when we're doing our podcast. I'm like, have we started yet? Like, I never know, which is why we have to clap so I can know. Like, if we clap, I know that we've started. So I should have mentioned in my introduction that you are the co-host of the hit podcast Sportish, a sports podcast started in the time of a complete sports shutdown, which I am very much enjoying and was the kind of the uh, impetus for having it on my show here. Um, so, yeah, we should talk a little bit about Sportish. Um, Keith, you're a sports journalist, I guess, by trade or a sports journalism professor yeah. and have been for a while. And yeah, I'm kind of, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm like I'm like a fake at everything. But yes, that's exactly correct. Yes. <laughs> well, at least you've right. You've you've marketed yourself, let's say, as a sports journalism yes. expert for quite Excellent. some time. Yeah. And uh, you guys used to have a a uh, radio show on ESPN Regional Radio. Yes. Yeah, so we had a. Uh, we had, and I guess, I guess for my semi kind of real like sports life, I still do a, a weekly piece for WAMC, which is the Albany based public radio station. So I do a sport and social issues commentary for them weekly, which I very much enjoy. And I hope you do as well. Uh, but the, uh, um, and, uh, and I did for a long time, I spent most of my academic career kind of in sports communication and sports media um, before I, I took the current role I have right now. And uh, when we when I was at Marist, we started a show on the ESPN affiliate or then the ESPN affiliate of the Hudson Valley called The Classroom. And it was kind of we called it your weekly smart look at sports, even though it absolutely was not. It was kind of your weekly ridiculous look at at sports. Yeah, there was very little smart about it, I would say. Nothing (laughs) smart. It was you actually got dumber when you listened to it, which is what our (laughs) listeners enjoyed. And and so uh, so we decided after after, you know, I left that role and that show ended. Um, we've been talking about since uh, since I left my co-host, Jeff Brault, and uh, one of our former students who now works at SNY, we're like, we got to get the show back together. It was like a constant, like, we got to get the band back together right. thing. And and really, the, the thing that spurred this to happen, two things had to happen for us to be able to do this. One was there had to be literally no sports for us to talk about because that gave us license to talk about, to, to absolutely ignore actual sporting events in, in a sports podcast. And two, we had to get so bored with our lives that we really had no excuse. Like it became the case where like, well, once we went into this kind of lockdown, it was like, well, if I don't do something with my time, I'm going to have to clean my house or talk to my kids. Like, so that it literally was like, we were forced into it. Um, and then I would also say that the technology has gotten so good that, um, that, I mean, it used to be like, oh, you can't do this because, you know, we're going to be separated by distance and I don't want to drive to your house. No, you have to drive to my house. Right. It's that kind of thing. Right. And so it, you know, because of the, uh, because of the pandemic, a lot of technologies that were already viable were kind of forced into grand scale usage and are improving really quickly. Right. Which is really the, the, the story of, of the hour right now, which is that the, the media world and the sports media world for sure is never going to look the same because Places are adopting tools and trades and technologies that are going to forever alter the business model. And so uh, so we started this this podcast and it's I mean, it's off to a just a dynamic smashing success, I would say, <laughs> exceeds exceeds even the loftiest of expectations. <laughs> and uh, and I mean, we're all enjoying it very much as as our as are our significant others and families. And so uh, although we had a, we had an incident, we did have an incident. Uh, which you'll be hearing in this most recent episode, you know, we were cruising along on iTunes with nothing but five-star ratings. And lo and behold, we went on before the last show and there was a four-star. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. Well, I've, so, I've, got, I've got at least one three-star on there, so it's all over for me. I'm, I apologize for that. But, the, <laughs> uh, but, but so as it turns out, as the plot thickens, it turns out that four-star rating may have been none, none other than our producer, our former <laughs> student intern's girlfriend. <laughs> So we are we are, we are going deep into this. And no, this is, so and and he's been forced by quarantine into her parents' house. Is that right? Well, that that was the scenario. Now it seems <laughs> that they've moved together into they moved together into their apartment in Hoboken. So they're now starting their life voyage together. But it's got it's off to a rocky start <laughs> now that now that she has 
absolutely taken, just swiped us, you know, <laughs> and, and stabbed us in the back. And honestly, I mean, at some point, Michael Wallace is going to have to make a decision between her and us. And we've known him a lot longer. <laughs> she never took him to the iron ball. I'll tell you that much. And so I, it, it is. So there is which, definitely which one trouble of, in paradise. Are you or Jeff taking your clothes off first in the battle over Mike Wallace's soul? Taking clothes off first? Yeah, I'm, it's going to come to that, right? Uh, I mean, you know, I'll do what I have to do. Uh, I'll I, do what I have to do. I'm um, sure you will. But I'm, 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 but we're very, so there's, there's going to, there's a lot of drama uh, right now in the show. And uh, it does seem as though the show might be found very soon on a, uh, an over the top television network for the fans network. So some big excitement coming on that. So if you, if you hate the show, when you listen to it, just wait how much you're going to hate it when you have to watch us. <laughs> Which really is the theme of Sportish, which is you don't have to love sports to hate Sportish. <laughs> oh, man. I, I do. I really love the show. It's, it's you know, very, it's fun and irreverent, which is nothing less than I would expect for you. But you guys do bring uh, a, a specific brand of expertise to it. And I do want to talk about that a little bit. Tell me what you were what you were um, getting at when you said this is going to be very different for sports journalism. How are we going to see changes in the way that sports are covered going forward because of this? Are we going to see less? I mean, I can't imagine that the once we get back to whatever normal is where fans and, and people can go to games, I can't imagine the in-game experience is going to change much because of this or that, that you know, there, there's not going to be some sort of primacy to covering events in a live venue. Well, look, it, it's going to be a long time till we get fans back into an arena, and sure. we'll see what the fallout is of that in the first place. Um, and for look, for a long time, uh, teams were having a hard time getting people to go to watch games in person because the mediated experience is superior in many right. cases. Obviously, for the time being, you're going to have nothing but a mediated experience, and so you know we'll see. We'll see what happens in the future of stadiums and arenas. You know, are they going to have to start spacing seats out? Is this going to become like a first-class experience? So who knows? And, and, and even taking a step down to like the college level, I think you're going to have a big culling of the herd in college sports, which is already starting to happen. I mean, a lot of programs are dumping some of their Olympic sports. I think college right. football is going to have a significant downsizing over the next 24 months um, so outside of the Power Five conferences. Um, but you're going to see a lot more automated technology being used in sports coverage. So, you know, a lot more AI technology. You'll probably see a lot fewer broadcasters traveling with teams as they try to figure out cost-effective ways of doing this. You'll really, have you think that's the case even even when fans return to games and everything else? But just because the technology I, I, has made it so cost-effective to do so? Sure. Sure, the Olympics is already done out of a broadcast center in Connecticut. So it's not like hmm. all those people are sitting over there in whatever country they're in. So I think you'll see a lot more. You know, you might for, for look, there's going to be layers in this. The Super Bowl is going to be covered differently than your average college football game. Mm -hmm. But there there may not be the need to travel nearly as many people to to cover a game. There's certainly not going to be as nearly as many to produce it. So um yeah, I think you're going to see fewer people there, um, fewer people involved in coverage. And I mean, the other side of it is really, let's see what the fallout is on the network side, because, uh, you know, six months or a year without live sports is going to really damage the, uh, the, the viability of, you know, ESPNs and certainly all the other networks beneath that. And so, you know, it's going to be, it, there's going to be a lot of carnal damage that comes along with this and the, the professional sports like right now we're talking about bringing professional sports back no one's convinced me right now that forget the 
being that I'm not an actual real doctor, the there there I don't know the and I'm barely a fake doctor. The uh, the the <laughs> you could just ask my own professors, like literally barely, like by the slimmest of margins. <laughs> but but the the the. I don't know the 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 medical viability of of people playing sports over the next six eight months. I mean that's that's you know it's hard to know I suppose. But I you know the um, the business model isn't going to be there. So baseball players haven't even agreed necessarily that they're going to be willing to pay for the twenty five cents on the dollar that they're going to have to take to be locked up in a hotel in Arizona watching pay-per-view in between games in a minor league stadium, right. which is basically what they're talking about. And so, you know, I, I think there's going to be a, a real massive shakedown in, in how this all plays out and there's going to be winners and losers, but I do think the, the way that these games look and the way that we cover them because of automation and because of you know the uh, a need to reduce costs is probably going to be very different um, twelve months from now than it is right now. What is this going to do? We, you know, we hear a lot uh, people who are interested in the sports media business about the you know the the rights fees for various leagues and, and games um, and how that how kind of live sports is somewhat bulletproof in terms of the the broadcast networks wanting them on the slate just because it's one of the few things that can bring people in and that therefore advertisers in at a specific time what does this do to that is the demand going to be reduced uh for live broadcasting rights do you think or is that something that will eventually bounce back because so much of you know the nba salary cap the nfl salary cap that sort of stuff is tied the players compensation everything else is tied to those broadcast right fees sure Right. So it's, it's bulletproof until it's not. And so right. I think that there's, there's a lot, there's so many moving parts right now. Um, and one is what is going to be the economic recovery of the, the companies that sponsor these leagues and the programs. And hmm. so the ratings, look, if the NBA plays the rest of their season, the ratings will be a bonanza like we've never seen before. More people will tune into that than ever because right. everyone's stuck in their house trying to figure out a way not to talk to their family. And so they, they will, there, there's no question that they can pull in, huge numbers for the time being but if companies can't afford to sponsor that and, and 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 you're still not pulling in gate revenue beyond that it becomes kind of a a null set so if cbs doesn't have the same amount of money to pay for those rights fees and they don't necessarily have you're just saying you know, because the advertisers aren't making enough yeah, to support ad, buying the ads. advertising dollar yeah if ad, if ad dollars aren't there i'm also concerned at some point that this that being at home is going to expedite a cutting the, cutting the cord kind of landscape because people are right. figuring out different ways to cut what they spend on media and to get free stuff. And right. So what I do think this is likely, and again, these are all wild conjectures, but I think this might expedite the direct to consumer model that you know that certainly all the leagues have considered already when when they have either their own branded network or they're just distributing kind of like WWE has always been the you know ahead of this uh, you know some of the uh, boxing where they mm -hmm. go direct to consumer view. Yep. So, and, and that's, that's, you know, that's a model that would probably work in some regards. Um, the challenge is kind of understanding how many people actually really want the NBA and are willing to pay for it. So, mm -hmm. you know, the NBA is a little different than boxing, boxing, you can get a, you know, a hundred million people watching something and you pay them, you pay two guys and a bunch of hangers on. It's really tough when you're talking about the kind of payroll that, that the NBA or certainly the NFL, like the NFL payroll is just gargantuan. Sure, sure. So, um, so I don't know. I, I, it's going to be tough for the next 24 months because 
again, take a sport like baseball where you have 162 games of inventory where you're putting 30,000 people per game in the stands. How are you going to make that up? Like, where is that money coming from? So it's going to be difficult. Right. I mean, you know, it'll be different in Miami where they only need to replace several hundred people per game, but that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Let's move away from pro sports because I think there's plenty of resources where people can listen to you guys and and plenty of other people talk about the ramifications of this. But I did want to talk a little bit about what you had referred to earlier is uh, specifically on the college level. And I think for my interest and your interest and maybe my listeners' interests, uh, the the non-revenue producing sports, because those are things that we don't talk about very often. But what, I mean, I, I think we can all kind of see what the impact of this shutdown, especially if, you know, colleges are not coming back in the fall, which seems probably pretty likely, at least for, you know, regular campus life and that sort of Apparently thing. Apparently NYU just announced they're coming back. Like, it's going to be a wild oh, west, so yeah who knows well and and i'll talk to you i mean i talked to Artie yesterday and um i I can tell you what he said uh regarding uh cornell and the ivy league and that sort of thing but so i I mean i think we can all kind of picture that you know if uh, shy shy of of returning to normalcy in the fall uh the 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 landscape for college football and that sort of thing is not going to be much different than the landscape for the nfl is if if anything it's going to be significantly worse i mean the nfl maybe could do some sort of bubble scenario where you know they're in two or three cities and you know they play round robins of four and it's all a very close system obviously that's not going to be you know viable in a in a collegiate environment tell us a little bit about how this ripple effect is going to affect not just the revenue producing sports but then by by extension what that's going to do for track and field cross country other olympic sports or things that you know uh, on on in in some cases in the SEC and the Big 10 are kind of tied to the success of the revenue producing sports and then on the flip side what about where you know colleges where the uh, football or basketball teams are high visibility but maybe not they might be lost leaders. What does that imply for the for the non quote unquote non revenue producing sports? Right. And so, as as the person that kind of oversaw t shirt sales for Cornell track and cross country, I take umbrage with it being referred to as a non revenue sport. <laughs> I literally pulled in literally pulled in hundreds of dollars per year uh, for the program, and and probably funded at least like two two meal stops on on road trips. So. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's probably it's really just how you look at the numbers, I suppose. Um, but that's always the case. Uh, so, I mean, look, the the shoes are already starting to fall. And uh, particularly at the Division One level, you're seeing uh, universities, particularly outside of the Power Five conferences and Power Five conferences until they decide that they're and Power Five for those that are not. Those are the, the major football conferences, the SEC, Big 12, uh, Big Ten, so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, Pac-12 and they, uh... pac uh, the uh, did I the the ACC, ACC. which we forget because yep. Clemson's the only school that plays football anymore. <laughs> so the uh, so um, so the the outside of those conferences, you're already starting to see things happen. For those for for your listeners, of course, as, as you know, Akron has already cut their men's cross country team. Right. All very disappointed about that. By the way, what were they spending on men's cross country? Well, I mean, that, what, did, what did they just say? Singlets. Singlets. That, now? That's the. I mean. It, it's tra- travel. I, I, I don't. I, first of all, why are you cutting yeah, so cross country and not indoor track, which obviously is going to be associated with a much larger team and facility fees and equipment and all this other stuff? That doesn't make sense yeah. to me. But but and, and they're uh, not they're not in a heavy travel conference either because they're in a relatively regional conference. So some of these you don't know. Some of these you don't look. Universities have been looking for ways to trim down their athletic programs, regardless. Like this is not a new phenomenon. So you're saying for Most some people, this and, is going to be an excuse. 
oh my god yeah this is this is a i mean it's a reality i mean they do have to find most schools are looking at double digit digit millions of dollars of of losses already and that's without the fall coming in athletic departments are going to be gutted they're going to have to furlough employees and so forth so this it's a very real crisis but if you are you know a school like akron and you are realizing that you are you know 50 to 70 million dollars in the hole and let's take into account that some of these schools in places like the the breadbasket of America were already losing students. So a school like that might have been looking at a decreasing enrollment of 10 to 15% over the next five years anyway. You are going to have to trim your athletics budget. The last thing they're going to want to cut is football. And that's just a reality. Although I think the MAC schools have those MAC schools have already said they're no longer going to be putting their home team, home football teams in hotels the night before, uh, before home games, which was a practice at, at most universities. So you'd put so that your was, team in a hotel. That was just so the quarterback didn't if, have sex the night before? Oh, uh, he can. He just has to have it in a hotel, <laughs> which, which seems better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. So, it, but, okay. So Akron's in the MAC, right? The yeah. MAC, at, so at, at best they're, football. They're looking at, to cut. But at best football at Akron is a, is a break-even proposition, I'm assuming, right? Sure. I mean, if they have a good year and they go to a oh, it's not break even. I mean, they they there's no way they they lose money every year. They they call it break even because they get money on student activity fees. So they're collecting you know forty dollars a head to pay for for this football team to have a you know a four and six season against Miami of Ohio. That's right. So like that's that. what I'm saying. So why does the loss, the potential loss of a football season for them, what why is that having the ripple effect of of canceling cross country or is it is it the the just the financial impact in general of the shutdown that's leading to this problem. By the way, no offense to the zips to, any, to, to all of you, all of you listeners. Uh, but uh, well, they are going to lose some football revenue. They're already their expenses are already out the window. They've already given their scholarships. They've already got coaches on them. So they're they're going to lose whatever revenue they get through. You know, uh, I'm sure they have a couple of guarantee games where they lose to Ohio State by 70, um, which is where they make probably a significant amount of money for the rest of the athletic program. So not playing costs them money because they already have their losses baked into the cake at this point. Mm. Um, so if they can find a way, the, the non-revenue sports are nothing but loss leaders. And in some cases, men's cross country is probably a Title IX drain, right? So they, are, they, are, they will okay. look for ways to strategically cut sports for which they get almost nothing out of. So if you're a school like Akron, mm -hmm. like you're a major, a big division one program, you don't use uh, college sports in the same way that say a division three program might. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what division three schools take. Like, let's take a school like, um, I don't know, like a, a, an Amherst college, which is probably an outlier just because or even a, just because it is, it's, it's so well endowed. Sure. But a school like that has 1,500, or 1500 students, 2,000 students, mm -hmm. probably about 400 of them are athletes, mm -hmm. right? You could take a, 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 a lower academically ranked Division three school where they have 12, 1,300 students, 400 of them are athletes. Mm -hmm. None of them are on scholarships. Right. You want to keep your athletic programs because that's a way for you to recruit students. So you're going to want to have a men's cross-country team because that might be 20 or 30 kids who want to do sports, who are willing to pay tuition, mm -hmm. who are going to hang around there. And mm -hmm. you're paying your coaches pennies on the dollar anyway. You mm -hmm. probably have a part-time coach that's run. So it becomes an effective way of doing this. If you're Akron and you spend, you know, you're in a Division One program, you have guaranteed spends, you probably have to travel X, Y, you know, a certain amount to go to these meets. You're probably running an athletics program. And I don't know what the budget for, you know, a cross-country team at that level, but it's probably a few hundred thousand dollars. I would say it's got to be at least half a million. You think that high for Akron? Uh, just judging Didn't, from what... What didn't, Cornell spends. didn't Scott Jones coach there? 
I feel like I'm. This is getting Did close really? to home all of a sudden. You remember Scott Jones? I remember the, the Scott name. Jones. I remember the he was Scott a, Jones. he was a legend. Scott Jones was a legend. Scott Jones is the only person I've ever known to have like a PhD in some kind of molecular kind of engineering, like like one of five people in the country from like five <laughs> Ivy League institutions who quit it all so he could co be like an assistant coach in somewhere in in, in the MAC. Like yeah. I, it might have been Akron. Oh, okay. I hope this hasn't. Boy, then it really does hit close to home. We're all <laughs> suffering with this virus. Uh, so he was the, literally the only coach who could tolerate me without without vomiting like every day after practice. So, uh, so I I just think they're going to look for now. Look, uh, attached to Akron cross country, there might be some scholarships that are attached to that, and so and those are huge huge expenses for them. That's costing them you know th twenty thirty forty thousand dollars a a year. Which okay, they can cut out right. Um, look like look at Furman. Furman just cut. Two, they cut their lacrosse program and their baseball team, mm -hmm. from, and uh, and those will do two things. That will a it'll it'll reduce some Title IX situations mm -hmm. depending on, on how this works out, um, which will make it easier for them in some regards. Uh, but it also they have a, a goal of reducing forty five scholarships. That's their goal because that's forty five essentially free rides they're giving out. That's really right. not helping the university all that much. So they'll they'll nibble around the edges. So if you have a cross country program that has travel expenses, it's not inherently bring like how many guys in the cross country team? You got 12, 15 guys in the cross country team. Right. Akron probably has thirty thousand students. Right. Doing them really literally nothing from a marketing perspective, and so you know. If you are now about one of the, the things you're hearing from a lot of universities, um, and by the way, the losses that we're talking about, just to kind of go for full circle, they're not just athletic losses, although we know that their athletic losses have been pronounced. Um, a school like Akron lost a lot of money off not being a part of the, you know, the NCAA tournament not happening. That's the largest kind of NCAA kind of, you know, distribution of funds. And so right. every school in the country took a, every division one school in the country took a big hit financially because they didn't get, they didn't get any conference money off the NCAA basketball. Right. Tournament. Right. And a conference like the Mac would have a couple teams in and probably one or two going around or two. Right. So, um, and so you're not going to cut your revenue. You're not going to cut your football team right now. If you don't have to, you're not going to cut your basketball program right now, if you don't have to. And so you're going to look for ways to reduce the sports that have literally no ROI from, anything other than maybe some alumni support and you know it's not i mean i don't remember i don't think akron cross country was a national player in any regard it's right. not like this is not iona cross country where you get some attention for right. it like it, i mean it's unfortunate but it's i mean the reality is maybe some of these schools and i i say this kind of begrudgingly but maybe they either should be playing at a division three level mm -hmm. or maybe those sports should be relegated to a club. I mean, maybe you're going to see a resurgence of club sports that might be like interesting. Like right. maybe a school like Akron could develop a club cross country program. Well, I think that's what's that, going to happen. Yeah. And that there's nothing wrong with that. Like that's, that's not bad. Um, in fact, well, most just... of the division one, most of the division one cross country programs, again, I say this with all due respect are not good. Like they're not good. <laughs> Most of the runners, and again, I, this is a, I, I know I'm speaking to runners, and so I, I think they, I hope they understand what I'm saying, but they're not great runners. They're good runners, certainly. Right. They can go to their local 5K, and they can win, or they can they can place, and they're they're dedicated runners, right. but they're not national class runners. There's there's a handful of schools in the country that are, that are fielding that level of talent, and cross country is not a sport like basketball. Like most Division I basketball programs play at a fairly high level. Um, that's the nature of the beast because they're all scholarshiped. And so if you play, I say I take Cornell being the exception, I believe. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> but if you, if you go to like the, the 200th 
Division One basketball team in the country, they're still playing a pretty high brand of basketball um, because of the depth of AAU programs and scholarships in this country. Okay. If you go to the 200th best cross-country team in this program, you're not going to be happy with what you see. You're just not. The, the, the sure. times are not going to be competitive in any – they cannot get on the court or on the field, shall I say, with a top 20 program. I mean, it, right. it would be – it would be it. It would be fifteen fifty without even looking at it, right? Yes. If you take a top twenty, right? That's not true. If if the two hundredth basketball team plays the twentieth best basketball team in the country, they'll lose by thirty, but they'll they'll be, they'll they'll make a game out of it. Um, okay, that's a that's a fair so, point. But but me but football it might be as pronounced as cross country. Uh, I mean, the two hundredth best division. I mean, there probably aren't two hundred. How many division? Not, there are one hundred and thirty division foot, division one yeah, football teams. Le, less than in, in playing in the highest division, probably about one hundred and ten. And you know what? The bottom twenty five or thirty shouldn't be there. Right. I mean, you put the bottom thirty against the top twenty, and that's a seventy to nothing game, basically. Uh, I don't think it's that bad. Yeah, it probably is. But you know what? The Sun Belt shouldn't be playing Division one A football. Like, like North right. Texas. God bless them. Like. All the directional Louisiana schools, you know what? Like, they don't need to. Like, Appalachian State actually didn't need to go 1A. Like, it didn't, they didn't sure. need to. Um, and so, what you might see, and uh, like, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that sports like cross country, as someone who was a, a very average runner that was able to continue running in college <laughs> because these programs existed and let you kind of get better. And so, I, I totally get the value of this. And it's unfortunate that a sport like cross country is now getting caught in the crosshairs of the arms race of big time college sports. Right. So it, it, I, I, so when I say, Oh, they should, you know, they probably should cut these programs. I'm saying that from a pure economic kind of ROI perspective. If you have a program that if you have an athletic program, that's losing a whole lot of money and you have parts that you can eliminate that aren't going to in any way destroy the bottom line of your university, it's kind of an easy cut. Um, I'm not saying that that's a good thing, but I'm just saying that that it is what it is. Right. I mean, we can get into a whole debate on the inherent value of the student athlete experience and, and you know, why it's important that we have these, you know, losing or, or financial losses, you know, as as experiences for the athlete and, and what makes a well-rounded individual and who's going to go on to have careers in, in running. Way, I'm sure I've offended like everyone I've ever met just now by saying, <laughs> let's just cut. If you're not, if you're in the bottom half of division one cross country, just go away. We don't need you. But, I, and that's not really the point. No, no. And uh, right. Obviously. And, and I think as both of us as former, very mediocre division one cross country runners can, can attest it's the, the experience that you get and, and the, you know, it, it's a, it's a, a priceless experience that neither of us would trade for anything. I'm sure. My um, one point at the pen duel probably is not going to have a lasting, enduring <laughs> impact on on the annals of college sports history. Like, oh, when that guy dropped out, Keith was able to able to hang on for that third yeah, point. Exactly. The, the one the one time I was twenty seven. The one time I was fifth at the Penn State Invitational on the in, yep. in cross. That was um, fifth on the team. No, but my. My, my, I guess the, the, the thing that I have trouble kind of wrapping my head around a little bit is, like you say, it, it is about return on investment. But, it, you know, just to, and not to keep picking on the zips, but just to go back to the, to the Akron example, if you have a, let's say, a mediocre uh, football team in a, a mid-major athletic conference that is, you know, maybe making a, a low-level bowl game, usually not, uh, it's going to be, right, they're going to pick up money from a guaranteed homecoming loss to Ohio State or whatever. But... 
beyond that, it's a, it's a financial loss. The return on investment is what? Just visibility and, and reputation for the university? It brings in more applications? How is... Because you talk about it from a Title IX perspective, yes, you cut men's cross country, you're winning back 15 scholarships on the women's side that you don't have to then account for. But a Division One football team is 65 scholarships or something in that range. I'm I'm often flummoxed by the, like you say, football and basketball are the last to go. Basketball, at least I can understand because, you know, the, the NCAA tournament is such a, a revenue generator and it does kind of trickle down even to the non-participating schools that aren't making the big dance. For for Division One football where, you know, if you're not making a bowl game and you have these 60-some scholarships that are, you know, if you could slash 65 scholarships on the men's side, that's basically making up your entitled, entitled Title IX obligation on the women's side. How is that not a more viable option if you're not bringing in this huge TV revenue like you know, Texas or Alabama or something like that. I think you've laid out the exact argument of most academics that that study college sports. Um, and by the way, it's 85 scholarships on the one on the one A. Yeah, and that's oh, down from one from 110 in the in the glory days of like the you know the 90s. Right. So if you if you added up every women's scholarship, would you get to 85 for most of the big universities? No, Probably not. You, you can't. Now you can't. It's, well, it depends how you. There's all these ways of kind of in of of kind of being Title IX compliant, which I'm sure is going to get lost in the in the sauce. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, given what's happening right now. But uh, look, that that is that is the argument um most places right now. It was the argument that UAB, uh Alabama Birmingham made when they cut their football program a few years ago. Now in in Alabama, because it's Alabama, the state, like the state legislature and everyone got so mad that they basically fundraised and somehow wrote a check to basically force University of Alabama, Birmingham to bring their football program back. They're like, look, we don't care if we don't have grade schools, but you can. And by the way, no one, no one, literally no one cared about UAB football. Like in in Alabama, there are two schools that play football, Alabama and Auburn and Alabama (laughs) and everyone else. It doesn't. But they were like, it was literally like the concept that a university would cut a division one, a football program. It was so incomprehensible to them uh, that they were like, we, we will, we will cancel. We will kill all the hospitals. We don't care, but we are going to make sure that UAB has football. So in many, look, it's an ego thing. There, there's, look, I think a lot of college presidents believe, and, and in some cases rightly, but probably in most cases less so, um, that having a major Division One football program uh, helps brand you as a university, helps bring a little attention, um, helps attract certain students to a more residential form of of of, of a college campus. Mm. And so, you know, I used to say that you, you kind of enhance or grow your athletic program, not to build your school, but because your school already was resembling a school that would have those kinds of programs. Mm-hmm. And so, so, you know, you should go division one when you, your school already looks like a division one program. And so you're able to offer that, that amenity uh, of, of opportunities. The, the other thing that you, you see for a lot of schools that want to have uh, division one programs or, or, you know, big division one programs or football programs is it's, they want to be in a certain kind of neighborhood. So if you are the zips and you get a chance to play Ohio state in football, or you get to be in a different athletic conference, that's, you know, kind of a certain argument. Um, I, I would, I think you're probably, you are right for the schools outside of the power five conferences and certainly some, even in the power five conferences, it doesn't pay off. I mean, we know this, like it's, it's not going to pay off. For most of these universities, Boston University figured that out quite, you know, quite like it's it's not going to pay off 
for most of these universities. Boston University figured it out quite, you know, quite some time ago. A lot of the smaller schools have figured it out that the ROI on, you know, big time Division One college football probably isn't there, right? And right. so, so the question is, you know, it, it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. They're in an arms race. They don't know exactly how to get out. Um, they right. are. Like, they are always trying to get to the next ring on the on, on the ladder because mm-hmm. they think that will get them one. So, you know, you're trying to get to the American because if you get to the American, then you might be able to get from the American. You might be TCU and TCU climbs from this conference to that conference to that conference. Right. Um, it, there are there are these surprisingly small number of success stories like a TCU that was able to change the profile of the university, um, like in Alabama, that because of the success of their football program has now has a huge percentage of their students coming from out of state. Those kind of relatively small number of big time a UCF, right, that has football has become part. Now, UCF was on a trajectory without football, but mm-hmm. but that have been able to use football as a kind of a way to enhance their their their, their brand, brand. Their right okay absolutely and so now they have a national reputation that they yeah. wouldn't have had a- previously absolutely but that, right? that's so, but that's a hundred to one right i mean that's it, it, it you're, you're so you're saying there's a chance right and so, <laughs> so so that's exactly it. and so and and college presidents are nothing and the alumni and boosters behind it are nothing if not competitive and and jealous and so they are you know they are going to want to use i mean there's a good uh, um god it was the hundred year bed or the hundred year i forget what it was called uh a book uh by the guy who was the the head of the the university the president of of texas a&m when they left the big 12 to go to the sec and it literally all the only reason they did it not the only but the primary driver was so they could give the finger to the university of texas and say we're better than you like that was <laughs> they were driven literally like the entire decision seemed to be driven literally by nothing by animos towards the long right so, okay so it's, you know, we're not necessarily we're not necessarily dealing with rational actors in all all these cases oh no my god right. i mean college athletic boosters are not not primarily <laughs> right. right rational yeah um so but from from what you're saying, it sounds like Division Three may be weathering this better, or maybe in a position to weather this better than some of the the Division One programs in terms of keeping their their quote unquote non revenue producing sports going. I would think so. I would think I think in some ways they have to because uh, because cutting those sports would really reduce enrollment opportunities for a lot of these universities. Right. And and let's be clear, they're they're much cheaper to operate. I mean the 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 budgets for these Division three programs tend to be very small. Sure. Um, and and I would think you know if anything at the Division three level, football might be the one for for certain kinds of schools for for schools that are very small that might have a football program that allows them to bring a hundred males to campus. They're not cutting football, mm-hmm. right? And they're non scholarship. So if, if they have a thousand people in the school, totally absolutely, right. you can't you can't cut your football program. That right. they probably added one ten years ago just for that very reason, right? Um, but yeah, I would think at the Division three level, it seems much more reasonable um, for them to keep that. I also think that you're going to start to see rules change at the Division one level about the number of scholarships you have to guarantee. Uh, you know, they're already discussing reducing the number of sports that teams have to, the universities have to maintain to be to maintain your Division one status, which was a part of why they had so many sports is you had to be mm-hmm. a Division one school. They're already discussing changing that. Um, which will, you know, give license to cut. Um, but I, I, I think, look, if the other thing to consider, and it's probably something for runners to consider for sure, and it's probably something that runners should be considering regardless, and they probably do in some regard, is I don't think that runners, unless they are absolute, absolute elite level athletes that 
you know, want to run for Wisconsin and want to run for a division one national championship, runners should go to the school they want to go to right. and, and then run for that team. Right. I actually think most cross country runners and track and field athletes outside of a, a certain caliber of athlete that and sprinters that might want to be in a certain environment. I think they should run what you can run really well. They are really good runners at the division three level. Yeah. And, and at the division two level, there's some really good yeah. runners. And I think the idea of chasing nominal scholarships um, to finish seventh in some mediocre, again, apologies, but you know, some, some sure. average division sure. one conference, go, go run for a division three school yeah. and win something. Yeah. And, and, and not be bound, you know, in when you're in a division one program, often you're bound to the kind of ethos of that, that program, which right. if you're not running at that level, it just, what's the point? I, I, I think, I mean, I wouldn't have traded, of, I wouldn't have traded my college experience for anything, but at the same time, uh, friends of mine, teammates of mine who, you know, of similar ability who went to division three schools, you know, and, and ran there had, they had as good a, a time as I did and, and were able to, you know, just get the same exact experience or the, you know, a very similar kind of experience and still compete at a similar level. I mean, maybe not the absolute top level, but I don't know. Is it more fun to get, you know, right, to be a, a mediocre runner in a mediocre conference in division? Like I, I was basically at my senior year cross country, I was probably, we were a, a mediocre conference. We came in fifth out of nine teams and I was probably 50th out of, you know, 90 runners or something. Uh, you know, at, at the conference championships. Is that so much better than if I had gone to Division uh, Division Three school and, you know, had the same times and, you know, been 20th in a good conference? Or You know, it's, it's these are little things on the margins that aren't going to affect your your experience, I think, one way or the other, really. Um, so, and I would right, also I, say, I yeah, go I would also say that the Ivies are a little bit different than some of the other Division One programs, certainly. Where well, in that there are more, not scholarships. Yeah, I mean, like when I was in Florida for grad school, I mean, I loved it at Florida, but I, I ran with some of them some of the time. And I, I don't, again, no offense to, to that program, but I, back then, certainly, I didn't love some of the restrictions they had on their athletes. You got it. You have to do this and you have to. I mean, it just wouldn't have worked. And right. so, and again, very few of these athletes were, you know, certainly on the distance running side, they weren't going anywhere after. I mean, they were they were good runners and that was it. Right. They weren't, you know, on the sprinting side, there were some Olympians and sure. some folks that were legitimately world-class um and and it made sense for them to be at florida because they had other aspirations but i, I do think and i i think you're going to see possibly an entire kind of recalibration of what these divisions mean which was something that was happening anyway and so we'll see whether these power five conferences form kind of something different or whether college football becomes separated from the pack which would again allow for the the other sports to have kind of a you know to not be involved in that that arms race right and so and this has been a conversation that's been happening for a while of why is college football part of college sports Co right right it doesn't make <laughs> sense as a piece of the ncaa basically right i mean it's, it's just kind of a whole different thing and right. i will also say like i mean as much as like everyone now i i have i have no idea and i really hope that they're able to do some college sports in the fall i have no idea how that's going to work like it it if you were to just from a purely like let's let's logically look at this scenario we have a you know kind of this virus that's raging out of control we have absolutely no way to stop it so what what are the odds and you know feasibility of getting like a lot of of people breathing on each other close together for long periods of time right. like it seems like literally the dumbest thing you can think that said yeah 
Arkansas is starting spring practice <laughs> July 15th. So, oh my God. <laughs> or, sorry. So, I mean, you know, like the SEC is probably going to play football. Like they, they are, they, they're going to play ball. And so who knows what this means for college sports in general. If, if the SEC says we're playing sports, we're going to have cross country and we're going to do this. And, you know, the Ivies and the American or, or the, the Patriot League and some of these other conferences say, well, we're not. Right. Or even the Pac-12, because the Stanford does not want to run through that. Right. Who knows what that means? Like, it, it could all shake down very differently. Right. Right. As a parent, you have kids who are involved in youth sports. And this is going to be something that's going to we're going to be feeling the reverberations of for quite some time from that perspective. How do you see that playing out over the next 18 months or so? And I guess to, to spin that a little bit forward, the kind of the interruption in the pipeline for, you know, youth sports as, you know, I mean, obviously youth sports do not exist just as a feeder for higher levels uh, athletics. And, you know, but, but I'm thinking about things like soccer and, and that sort of thing, which are, you know, pri- or swimming and, you know, where, where the, the highest level, the Olympic and the national teams are you know, fed on the grassroots by these, these youth sports programs. Do you see an interruption in that pipeline coming in, in the, you know, five years down the road because of this? Yeah. I mean, I really hope not because I was really planning on riding Elliot, you know, my 10 year old riding as the gravy train all the way to the MLS, probably the premier league. Um, and so, I mean, I was, <laughs> he has, he did do his sprints today in the backyard. I'm not making that up. <laughs> nice. Yeah. You got to Look, you got to stay fit. Yeah. You never know. You never, you never know mean, when the call is coming. Vaccine is coming someday, and and, and we're going to be right there. We're going to be ready. We're going to be ready to go. And I've I've already said I've already said. Look, if eight people can get the experiment, why not a nine? I got. Have you tried it on kids yet? <laughs> By the way, I mean you're an actual doctor. I why? I mean I don't want to. Be, I. I I want to know about these antibodies and why I don't have them. I haven't tested for them. Should I get a test? I really thought I had the flu in, in January. That seems too early. It's I thought possible. I, I mean, what's the downside of getting the test? I made them. I'm. I made them give me a flu test twice in January. <laughs> I think I remember that I went, actually. Yeah, I complained so much. Now, yeah. let's also. Well, but just that's, for the, ba- the, that's baseline. For you. Well, just to, to face for the <laughs> listeners, I'm a not only am I annoying, I'm a huge baby, like a huge baby. I mean, awful. Like I things that most people don't even know they have. I I nearly get to have to be hospitalized for right because I am I am absolutely just a catastrophically clinically uh, a sissy. Um, so, uh, but I the youth sports thing is really interesting because I think you're right. I think there there is the the real potential that kids opt out they just say you know what mm-hmm. I, I just this is because of everything the the stress that's often put on on young athletes i think is overwhelming in the best of times and i think this might cause some athletes to say i'm just this is too much i don't, I don't want to do it right yeah i don't need this and um well we like i've been having a lot of conversations about our club soccer teams for um for the fall and it you know, I talk to the parents and the parents are obviously different than the kids. And they're like, no, we want to keep moving forward. It'll be interesting to see how many people actually want to lay down this much money. And, you know, and, you know, who knows? Right. I mean, so I, I do think I do think you'll see some reductions in in the number of kids who are playing. I also think it would be a really smart time for these organizations to kind of rethink their strategies. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's 
I, I don't think, and, and you probably know better, and probably even the listeners know better, I don't think it's nearly as as dramatic in running. I mean, because running, running still tends to run through the school systems for the most part. Right. Um, you know, and I see some of the clubs, like my Sloan, my oldest, runs cross country, and we've gone to these, you know, like the, the junior high school, like state meets. Sure, sure. Which, by the way, there's some kids out there in like seventh and eighth grade that look like they're they're getting ready for, you know, for the Olympic trials. Oh, like yeah. They are, they're all geared up. Yeah. They're like... And I feel bad because I'm like, oh, don't worry, Sloan, it'll be great. You'll, and then, and then he's lining up next to some guy <laughs> who looks looks like like he, you know, he's wearing Olympic stripes and he's got <laughs> he's got flats on. And Sloan probably has probably a pair of shoes we picked up, you know, at a, at a Walmart on the way to the meet. Basketball so, shorts. Yeah, I'm like Sloan, there are sneakers or sneakers. Don't worry, no one will have nice shoes. But and and then they they all wear soccer shorts anyway, or, or whatever basketball shorts. So I mean they. they look awful and so and then these kids show up and they're all in like skin tight like cheetah suits and they're 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 flying so there it does exist and the coaches are just you know they're screaming and yelling and all that so um so um so i think you know at running it's not as pronounced though because most people come into running like at least i came into running because i wasn't good at anything else like i think it just kind of it became a default situation right same for me so i'm like yeah i'm like well I've I've been cut from every other sport, so <laughs> they seem like they don't have roster cuts in cross country. So I I can try that. Um, so so I you know I, I don't think it's going to be as bad, but um, but I do think I think it would be good for some of these sports to stop. You know they're going to not be able to travel as much, right? You are not going to have as many for certainly for this next year. We're not going to have these national showcase opportunities, right? Big that tournaments, good. Yeah, it's a good thing. We do you do not need guys. I like to tell my kids, we do not need to travel to Tennessee to lose. Like we can lose right here, <laughs> right here in our county. Like why are we driving two hours? Like I remember once one of the teams in our in our division, they 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 drove down to Brooklyn and they lost like fourteen to nothing. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? I'm like, I can line twelve kids up on our neighborhood to beat you twelve to nothing. Like what are you doing? Like it 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 boggles the mind sometimes. But um, so uh. So I, I, I hope that this will I hope this will kind of right size what I'm concerned about, to be quite honest, though, is that there's going to be a generation of kids that just stop playing. Um, right. And I do worry about that a little bit that, you know, the one of the great things about, you know, about youth sports is it just it's it's kind of this this really kind of it can be this really kind of. uh I don't know, meaningful experience where kids learn how to win, how to lose, sure. how to, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm concerned that between the kind of increased professionalization of it and this kind of catastrophic life altering experience, mm-hmm. you might have some kids that just sit at home and play video games all right. the time. Right. Which, um, you know, I, I, I'm hoping that isn't kind of a fallout of this, this, this kind of horrific experience. Let's talk a little bit about running and, Let's uh, circle back to the sports journalism thing a little bit in regards to that. Were were you? I, I know it sounds like you've been training. Were you getting ready for any races this summer? Uh, were, were, is there anything that kind of bummed you out that it was canceled from a, a running or triathlon perspective? And uh, when do you see that stuff coming back? Oh, I mean that's a great question. So I am. Uh, so I like I'm in this part of my illustrious uh, triathlon career where I just basically hope that I can find a few weekends that, that, uh, that like are not taken up by something else that I can get away to do a race. And then the worst part is when that actually happens, then I realize, Oh man, I have have to to do this. And then I really don't even want to. I'm like, 
like fine. Like Andre will be like, my wife will be like, oh, it's good news. You can do that half Iron Man. I'll be like, oh, that's that's good news. That's great. Glad to hear that. So I I, I mean, like I I've, I'm at the point, despite being, of course, you know, a, a three time SOS champion. Which I know I think is, you know, something. I forgot to, I forgot, so I, forgot to put that in the intro. Oh, Oh my God. And I'm a little, I'm, I thought it was going to come up naturally. So I had to bring it up. I mean, I guess that was pretty natural the way I kind of made it kind of segued it in there. But I know also let's, let's be clear as the two time defending champion of the Allendale 5k, my hometown, my town. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's not, and that doesn't come easy. You got to usually beat at least two or three kids wearing costumes. Uh, (laughs) And this year I won after driving back from a bar mitzvah in the Poconos that morning. So, or in Philly. So I, I mean, I pulled it, really pulled it out. Very nice. Um, Yeah. So, and the big hill on the course too, big hill. So uh, the, um, so I like, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of at this point where I, I like being able to get out and do a few races and I don't nearly know what those are going to be. I haven't gotten to the SOS for the last couple of years. I need to get back. Um, I, but it's, this is now perfect. Cause now I've given myself enough time when I come back, the expectation is I'm old and like, Oh, <laughs> you know, I get, I get an old man clap my finish. So, um, but, uh, uh, do but you think so we see I, the SOS you know, this year? What's that? Do you think we see the SOS this year? I, you know, I really hope so, but I, I just don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know how you do it. Now they're actually, interestingly, they're probably look, a lot of that's going to depend on, on, on the, the venues themselves, sure. but it, the SOS seems set up the- to me to be a successful one just because they have a wave start built in. It's a relatively small field. It spreads out quickly. Um, yeah, I actually think what they I think they should do. Not that anyone's asking me, but but uh, Don, if you're listening, uh, I what he's I actually n- think not. they should. Uh, Don's not listening. Does he need help learning? I, I don't think Don the- knows what a podcast is. Okay, he, <laughs> the phone. Not, I don't think he gets them on the flip phone. So what I would suggest is that they. Uh, they they literally stagger it. Everyone starts ten seconds apart. Yeah, you just exactly. Don't let anyone. I think that's the the logical way to do it. Um, and, and I think you could do it. The challenge though is um, uh, there's a lot. It, it, it's certainly at the SOS, but at a lot of these triathlons, you have a lot of people who are out there helping, and right. and you're going to need that. And and a race like that, someone's going to need medical attention. Right. And you know, it's a risk. It's a risk reward kind of situation, I guess. And we'll probably know a lot more you know, in September about where we are, but, right. um, my only fear and I do look, I think people need, I don't want to sound too like first world problem mm-hmm. kind of here, but that is kind of my, my ethos. Like, <laughs> like, no, I'm yeah, like, that's, that's a hundred percent on brand for you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like they don't, they don't have that fried tofu dish right now. <laughs> like they don't have that. They can't deliver that right now. Like <laughs> I'm going to, I don't want to eat Trader Joe's leftover. I don't want to eat frozen tonight. Like, like, like that, that stuff is definitely where I am. Um, but so, uh, like, well, I'll leave it at that. I'm like, I, the pool guy can't get here until next week. Like, I, it's warm already. Like, it's already warm. I can get in now. Like, so, um, so, so I would, uh, I don't even know where I'm going now. But, but so, um, uh, I, I do think there's value in, in, in giving people these opportunities to have, I think, I think in moderation or in, you know, if done correctly, I think like 
adult competition is one of the is, is really healthy for us. I have to believe mm-hmm. that. Like, and not everyone's a douchebag like me and gets angry. Like, that guy <laughs> cheated, man. Like, <laughs> he was drafting. Like, all, like not everyone's a dick like I am, right? So most people get out there and they're they're nice and they have fun you know, and stuff like that. Not everyone's cheating like I am. But so, but I, I think it's a it's a healthy advocation. So I hope there is that opportunity. The only thing I would say, um, you know speaking largely to people who kind of uh you know kind of troll the uh the waters of like let's run and slow twitch and that and those those kind of salty environs um i hope people are able to understand that not doing a triathlon this summer is not that important like it, it, it is it is not that important and i really hope and this comes back to saying you know it just doesn't matter like i actually think and i i'm at the point and i I will run until the day I die, I'm sure, or until, you know, I, I, you know, I can't run anymore. And so, I mean, I, not to brag, but I put out a, put a solid 12 in today and, and wow, tomorrow, nice. oh yeah. Oh yeah. And you didn't want any part of that. I'll tell you that much. Like <laughs> <laughs> all business, it was all business. So, and I will, uh, I will, uh, I will tomorrow I'll get out and do a ride. And then in the afternoon, I'll do some stretch cords and maybe get on my Les Mills. I'm obsessed with Les Mills fitness videos right now with cardio grit. That's my new family. That is my new family. I love them. I'm, I'm, I work so hard when I get in there. I feel so, I, I feel so, oh, so I can't wait to see I'm, that on Instagram. That's going to look good. Oh my God. It's, 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 it's inspiring. So I, uh, I, you know, I, I, I really like, I love running even more than I love competing. Like I love getting out there and I love just that daily kind of thing. And sometimes in some ways, like competing, I actually like less and I know every year I'll just get slower. And so I actually like what I'm, what in the last several years since I haven't been able to get out and and race much just because of life, I actually miss more the camaraderie of racing and Mm -hmm. I like being around people and Mm -hmm. just like sharing. I actually really, I used to, when I was younger, I actually, I cared about how I finished and and you still care a little bit, but I really miss that uh, when I'm, when I'm not getting chances to race, I miss the I, the opportunity of just like racing against people I know, people I don't know, right. and just being able to kind of finish and be like, hey, that sucked. Yeah. Oh man, I should have gone. And always saying like how much faster you should have gone. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, last night I spent, I was out so late last night. And by late means like nine ten or something like that for me. Like, <laughs> so like I, like I just, I, that is what I enjoy the most. And so, um, but I do hope, I hope, I hope that people realize that and maybe even gain some perspective like, it doesn't matter. Like none of this really matters. The only reason any of us race is for ourselves. Right. None of it matters. Right. Right. It is all of this. And that this is true for pretty much all sport. This is a, this is a process of self exploration. Right. And that's, and I know, and I, and I, when I said that, I know people are giggling. Right. So (laughs) (laughs) no, but you're right. You're a hundred percent. Right. I mean, you're a, a, it's never more true than at the amateur level and, and where 99.9% of adult athletes are. Um, but even, yeah. at, right, even at the professional level and we obsess over these things and everything else. But doesn't right, matter. in the grand scheme of things, none of this matters. I mean, it doesn't matter. It, it, you don't want to do it. The next, there's someone else who's just as good. Like, it doesn't matter. We're all replaceable cogs. And so it's, it, if, if you can, and I, and I, like, I have to, and it, it's very hard, but you have to talk yourself through this. Like, you have to realize that, like if you finish fourth instead of third in a race now the SOS that matters because it means no backpack. Yes. So it, it actually is. I mean, let's, let's be clear, by the way, <laughs> let's be very clear. The only thing that matters in the SOS <laughs> is the accumulation of bags like that is. And I have, I have settled into third 
and second more times than I care because I'm like protecting I have the got bag. A bag. I'm, I'm, I literally have got a bag, and so I'm like, well, I could put, like moving from third to second is the most obsolete. Oh my god, same bag. I mean, you could, yeah, it's same same bag, same bag. You can make the argument, by the way, you can make the argument of going for first for the glory, but the second to third, unless you're trying to give yourself, you know, you just don't know who's coming up in the pipeline. Um, no, there's absolutely no difference. By the way, I, I am still to this day disappointed about the the first the one year I like cleaned house. Must have been the first year I won, and and I I like won like all the awards. That was the year they went with caps, hats, <laughs> hats. I, I would have had luggage for like a, for a country. They went with hats. <laughs> hat you know how douchey you look wearing around a hat that says first place finisher first not even first place it says first place winner because everyone's a winner third place winner someone called me on that they're like what is what is a third place winner <laughs> and so i but as you as you may know you probably don't know this i actually think that this is a great opportunity i love that people are doing these kind of virtual races. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I can't, it's not really for me necessarily, right. but I love, I love that people are finding ways to kind of do this. Cause I think it's great. Um, and the one that we've got going right now that Jay, you're going to want to be a part of is I can almost guarantee you I don't, but go on. No, it's just, Oh, you're going to want, you're going to want to put some money down on this thing. So, uh, one of our, one of our when I have teammate former teammates and by teammate I mean he was really, literally the worst person on the team but uh, but he, uh, Darius Dayak you know a Cornell <laughs> alumni sure probably probably more well known for his antics than his run I was, right? was going to say I think Dar Darius is probably mostly known for starring roles in most of your stories that's exactly <laughs> right he was kind of my ethnic man right and so. <laughs> Okay, so, so what did he do? So he he had qualified for the Boston Marathon. Uh -huh. He's like he's one of these people who he was never very fast, but he hasn't slowed down nearly as much as most people. So you give him a lot of credit. Right? Okay. So he's still plugging away, and he uh, one of the few people to have taken a bike to China for three years in a bike box. You know, he moved to China, mm -hmm. took it over in a, a triathlon bike in the box. The bike never got taken out of the box and came back to the U.S. in the box exactly as is. Like, that's how serious he is about cycling. It took the bike all the way to China and paid for it to go over in the box, never disassembled, just came okay. back in the box. I mean, saved, saved on the labor of reassembly and disassembly. That's, so, that's smart. So, uh, it, so it was very smart. Never got contaminated. Certainly never got coronavirus <laughs> if that existed several years ago. So, so. Uh, so, so he's qualified for Boston. Well, uh, obviously they moved Boston, and now there's the, there's a September question about Boston. I yeah, I don't see think, that happening. I don't see it happening because those. I mean, you you you're just standing in those stalls in Boston, yeah. like when you're in the corral. It's it's you probably get gonorrhea just by by breathing in there by looking. At I mean, honestly, so. you are lucky if somebody does not pee on your leg. Basically, at some point in the yes. forty minutes before the race. Yep, yep. And so, uh, so you're you're. It's not. It doesn't seem like a viable. Thing to happen that said we are nothing if not innovative and our other friend carl cadlick who was also a very mediocre runner um and also had a something of a starring role in several of these stories um he uh a lawyer by day gym owner by night and he owns a gym in uh in california okay and and so now we're starting to think well you know wouldn't it be fun to watch darius run a marathon on a treadmill and for Sportish in its new televised state to broadcast this marathon. So what we've decided is that Darius will, instead of running the Boston Marathon, 
will travel to Carl's gym in California, <laughs> where hopefully there he will assemble a crowd and we will watch Darius run a marathon, which we will call the Boston Marathon, uh-huh. on that treadmill. And to make it more interesting, Carl will also get on that treadmill next to him, six feet apart, uh-huh. run his marathon, and we have like over-under times for both of them. So right now we've got Darius's line set at 316. Carl, who seems to be putting putting on weight by the minute uh, in this <laughs> – so i mean you could hear him getting fatter and so uh so he he uh has set his own line at 340 i think it's highly ambitious so we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna start him 24 minutes or whatever ahead of them so they can have a sprint finish what we haven't decided and so we're gonna so they're gonna what we haven't decided yet is whether we're gonna let them run and set their times and go faster or if really we say your time is 3.15, we're setting the time for that. <laughs> and and just get you either finish or you fall <laughs> off the thing. That's it. Like there is no changing it, right? And so so that, so but so so I what I, I I really love that people are finding ways to like say, screw it. Like I know I'm not gonna like, you know, there are gonna be a lot of people who are disappointed that they can't do Boston, just like gonna be a lot, I don't know what's gonna happen. Like a lot of Iron Man's obviously have been sure. moved or canceled or a lot of people are going to get really upset about it. I, I would, I, I think I, that's a natural thing to do. Um, but I would also say it's kind of, in some ways, it's kind of a silly thing to do because it's, it is, you know, it doesn't matter. You're going to, there's going to be another Iron Man, right? right? And, and, and you're going to have another chance to do it. And it's going to be just the same. And if you finish 20 spots behind that, it, it's okay. Like it, you know, life goes on. And right. so um, it's not the, you know, it's not the Olympics. It doesn't come around. So, um, but I like that people are just, kind of getting more to the kind of the base of what sport really is and which is just a way to kind of compete and try to have fun and push yourself. And I think that's, I think that's very kind of exciting. And really, I mean, wasn't that kind of the Genesis of the SOS and some, and some of these endurance races, sure. like that was kind of their Genesis. Right. I mean, the dirty dozen, right. I mean, all these things. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Do you have a few minutes still? I got, I literally have nothing but time. Good. <laughs> um, if, if I'm not doing this, I have to work and, no, what like not not only do I not want to do that, the people I work with don't want me working either because it's just it's just stuff they have to undo. Let's uh let's circle back to sports journalism for a few minutes. Uh, first of all, you know, congratulations again on uh, establishing a sports podcast in the middle of a sports cancellation, which I know is your theme. For you, uh, I think that like you said, it's it's been good because you get to talk about all the ancillary stuff surrounding sports, which you know. From me watching you over the past several years and and kind of following your career, you've always seemed somewhat ambivalent about the sports part of your sports career. So I think this the timing for you has been really fortuitous. How how have you found this time without sports as somebody who sp- focuses on sports journalism? Starts to get a little dry. Like you start to re you start to be like, oh, I got a great idea for a column this week, like for commentary. You're like, oh yeah, I wrote that same one three weeks ago. Like it's. <laughs> Like, I mean, there's only there's so many commentaries you can do, like for AMC, like Death Watch, like who canceled programs this week? Like, so um, but, but you you I, I think I think part I, I don't want to say part of the problem, but you've always kind of seen through the artifice of a lot of of kind of the, the pomp and circumstance that surrounds the sports world, which I think is I don't know. Has it been a conflict for you that that has been kind of resolved at this point somewhat or how no, has that function? Yes for you? and no. Like, look, I, and, and at its core and I probably less so 
um, over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. But I mean, I got into this because I love sports. Like mm -hmm. I was an obsessive sports fan as a kid. Like, mm -hmm. I, I still consider now I, I have two kids and a wife last time I checked. And and right. At least when we started still, a podcast. Yeah, exactly. As of <laughs> as of, you know, five o'clock or whenever this thing, you know, yeah. So uh, but to, and I still consider the greatest moment of my life when the Rockets beat the Knicks when they're the, for their first NBA <laughs> title. I mean, and, I, and by the way, it's not even close. It's not even a, it's not even close. Like I would. I mean, I would tell this to a marriage counselor, and I have. Um, so, <laughs> thank you. That was the OJ series. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I was one of the only people who wanted them to put OJ back on because the Rockets made a run during that time when he was on the screen. <laughs> so, uh, so no, I, I mean, I do. Like, I, I always have. I love spectator sports. I, 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 I still go to a ton. I go to a lot of soccer now. When that, you know, so we got a lot of MLS. Mm -hmm. I mean, we when we were in Europe, we went to. You know, we went to European soccer matches. Like, I, I love sports. I do find it agonizing. Do, I, I do think that people completely kind of take it out of proportion. And it's, you know, I do think that people miss the opportunity to see kind of how sports fits into the larger kind of social construct. Um, and, uh, you know, the older I get, the less I really care about teams winning and losing. Like, I care. Right. I like the Gators to win. It gets me excited. But, uh, you know... I used to get like I used to get really difficult when the Rockets would lose a big game, and I just I couldn't care less. And I, I'm more I'm interested in watching my kids enjoy sports, which I do. I love I love that they get into games, and mm -hmm. so I like watching it with them. But um, so I mean, at, at, at its core, I still enjoy sport quite a bit. But I have a a very difficult time with be like, hey, uh, uh, Stan, first time, long time. I'll tell you that seventh round draft pick that is going to haunt them. That guy. <laughs> That is a terrible, that is a terrible decision. That guy is fat and lazy and I watched him play against Ole Miss and his hands look like he stuck him inside a chicken and, 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 and a grease, a grease factory. I'll hang up and listen. I mean, like, I mean, who cares? Like, honestly, I mean, really? Like, who cares? Like, are we really gonna, gonna, is that gonna be like, or people that get all angry, like, yeah, I mean, I, I Eli Manning is the worst <laughs> quarterback. He is awful. He is a terrible human being. I, I I would not introduce him to my kids. He should be taken outside and strapped to a car and left there until the car rots. I mean, I'm like, what, 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 what makes people like? I don't. I, I, that kind of stuff, like, it really it drives me crazy or people that pretend like they know, like I'm going to tell you right now, there is absolutely no way the Lakers can win. I, I, I know it. I'm like, how, how do you know? Like, how do you know that the Lakers are not going to win? Like what? Like, I, it, so that kind of stuff drives me insane. And, and the, 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 the way in which people allow that to be, to kind of dominate and, and misprioritize how we view things. I, you know, that kind of stuff, I just can't, I just don't care. Like yeah. I can't sit there. And the other thing is like, am I like these people that watch like 150 baseball games? I'm like, are you kidding? Like, I, I, I can't do it. I get bored. Like, yeah. I, I want to watch every NBA game in the last seven minutes when it's tied. Cause right. every game is tied at the end. <laughs> there's not, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, well, you're loud. It's almost like, it's almost like wrestling. Like there has to be a, like a chokehold with like two minutes to go. Like where they're, they're both in, like, so I, 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 I still really do enjoy sport. Um, 
I don't enjoy the nonsense around sport. Right. And I, 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 the fans, I find in a lot of these arenas, I find the fans to be difficult. And, you know, I, I don't like, I mean, I mean, maybe it's come old now, but I don't like some of the, the negativity and, you know, that kind of nonsense. So it's, yeah, I, I'm not the same kind of sports fan I used to be, but I do, I do still enjoy watching, um, you know, yeah. to some extent. As a, as a fan, uh, as a journalist and a fan, I guess, what were you most disappointed in, in losing out on uh, with the cancellations? I love the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I love, and, I, I, and, and I, I know how hypocritical it all is. And we pretend like, oh, these great amateur athletes, like these guys are like counting the hours sure. until they can stop going to class, you know, at the highest level. Sure. Um, so, uh, and I know it's all a sham. These guys should be paid, blah, blah, blah. And so I get that. I still find it to be incredible drama. Like it's yeah. fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, is the so NBA, that, the I'm, NBA playoffs for me this year, I was really looking forward to like, just, there was, a, there were a lot of really good storylines, uh, on both, in both sides of the bracket. I thought it was going to be really, really compelling and that, takes too long. I just can't make yeah. it through. I mean, I mean, I, I just can't do it. Like yeah. I did that first round. The first round takes My forever. God. It's ridiculous. They well, start. Should, they start. They start in May, and it literally ends a full calendar year later. You just don't even realize it. The whole. The, we go around the sun. We totally do, the whole way. Um, um, I was very right. disappointed that uh, we did not get the NCAA hockey final four because. Oh well, yeah. Well, I've, I, you know, I don't know if you know this. I've actually declared, uh, just like UCF did in football. I declared Cornell Corn- national champion on men's I think and it's side. Stick. Yeah, that'll yeah. that'll work. We should uh, put the order in for the put, put the order in for the rings now. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm going to get a rank. Sure. Uh, the, uh, I, I, as much as it's, you know, it's, it, it is one of the most, you know, kind of evil organizations going, I'd still like watching the Olympics. Like, I mean, it's, you know, yeah. outside of FIFA, obviously it's, it's the most corrupt sports organization in the world, but I still, I <laughs> like it. Like I like watching, I like watching it. I, I like to at least pretend that like, you know, there's, there's something to it. And, and the, you know, the competition is dramatic and you see some incredible, but that said, you know, I so I miss I'll miss the Olympics. I like the MLS. Like I like, I, you know, we go to a lot of LMLS games. We'll go to NYCFC games. We'll go to Red Bulls games. And so I I'll miss that. Like I actually like I've gotten a little bit back into live sports that way. And I'm going to drastically miss college football. Um, I mean, it's going to be if they don't play. If I can't watch the Gators uh, lose to Alabama <laughs> this fall, assuming they're on schedule. I don't even know if they're on schedule. But it, I will find that really painful. And I don't know that I'm going to be comfortable with this kind of synthetic version. Like I, I know like, you know, the NFL has announced that they're going to be pumping in fake, fake crowd fans. noise. Yeah. Yeah. This by the way is the beginning of the end of, of humanity. Like they're going to find out very clear quickly that humans are not needed to make this planet run. Like we, we are, <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's, let's be clear. 90% of us, a monkey could do our job and better. <laughs> right. <laughs> Definitely me. Right. And so, uh, so I, I just don't know that I, if I, if I know that universities are not back to normal and and I don't mind them having this conversation, but if I know that people are still dying and I, and I just not to get serious, but like if the country and the world is still being ravaged by a, a, a pandemic and they are kind of throwing these kids into, you know, some kind of unsafe, untenable position so I can watch college football, I'm probably not as much of a dick as I am. <laughs> I still probably won't be able to enjoy it like i think i'll find it i'll find it to be you know i mean these athletes are probably are taken advantage of in the best of days i'll find it to be a little bit distasteful right right we gotta wrap this up before we go i am gonna have you play the dumb game that i play with all my guests it is called desert island picks 
a play on the famous Desert Island Discs radio show, which you may or may not remember. You're nope. gonna no, uh, you you grew up in Texas, so that's not uh, that was not a staple down there. I'm gonna send you to a desert island for a year. Okay, you get to bring one of each of the following. You get to bring one book, one album, one food, and one beer on a desert island for a year. All right. Uh, book album. What am I? Book, book album, album food, and beer. And like the vast majority of my guests, you have had no advanced warning. What are you bringing not, to your desert island? You know, I'm not a big reader, so you don't say. So, do, can I trade the book for something else? Sure. What no. do you want to trade it for? You want to trade it for a movie? Yeah, but then I got nothing to watch it on. <laughs> Am I? Well, all right, here's, what I, here's where I'm going to go. All right, so I've got a book. Let me let me address this. My beer. Now, is this the, when I say one food, is this the only thing I'm going to be able to eat the entire time? I mean, yeah, that's in theory. I mean, you don't have to, you know, I... I, I you don't have to make your nutritional requirements add up. It's not like you need, uh, you know, you're not going to die of scurvy if you choose something without a lot of vitamins in it. I, well, I'm not I, getting that side. That would be like, like licorice is really a bad choice <laughs> at that point, right? Yes, I, but, but again, right. I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think we're going to be able to pretend that there's any, any one thing that's going to keep you in an optimal state of health that yeah, you're going to eat this, for one so year. This, so this can be like, this can be like my guilty pleasure. Yes, right? exactly. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Let's start with, let's start with food. Uh, do I have a freezer? Do I have a cooler? Uh, sure. I, sure you, you, I, you I know a, I'm complicating this. You, you have a way to keep it uh, at least reasonably fresh. Maybe you don't have all a right. you don't have a daiquiri maker or anything like that. But all right, all right, all right. Um, well, I'm gonna do. Uh, then if I'm going that route, all right, I'm gonna bring like uh like Dairy Queen soft serve chocolate. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. Good. Or maybe you know what? As long as I'm going this route, I'll make it a full blizzard. I'll bring. I want a blizzard machine. I want. I want. I want to get like blizzards, like a Heath Bar blizzard. That's what I want. Chocolate right. Heath Bar blizzard. Beautiful. All right. Beautiful. All right. Uh, as for my beer, you know, I'm not a big drinker. Um, so uh, you can substitute beer, a non-alcoholic drink as well. Well, I'd like to do something kind of ironic, like so. At least, like when people find me, they'd be like, "Oh, that's funny." So I'm going to go with Zima. They're only like, my God, just, you had one drink and you chose Zima. So you're just, just for the humor of it. Okay, I get yeah, it. I'm, Very good. I want when they show up and they find me, they're going to be like, oh my God, this guy's crazy. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, give me a book and an album or an album and a book. Uh, right. An album. Sorry. So here. So for the album, uh, you know, I once got, uh, and I'm not going to choose this because I hate it so much now because when I was in high school, the cassette player in my car, uh, I got the album of uh, Bruce Hornsby's the, the Way It Is. That oh, got God. stuck in the cassette deck, and and so I had to listen to it for nine months, and <laughs> and I couldn't get it out, and so I kept, and I forget, I get in the car, like I'm in high school, I'm seeing, and I and I'd be like, oh, I'm turning the radio, and then I forget, and I'd be like, oh, it's the way it is, like, and it just kept playing the whole album over and over. So uh, I actually, to get rid of it, I decided I finally stuck a wire hanger in the cassette deck, knowing I might electrocute myself, but realizing. <laughs> Even if I do, it's worth it. And I shorted out the whole thing, and then I finally had to go get another, another thing. So I'm not going to pick that out. Um, you know, I mean, Vanity and me wants me to pick <laughs> Butler's greatest hits, <laughs> which of course is, as you know, a very well known Cornell band. Um, <laughs> so, um, or or our EP that we produced uh, of Songs for the Bargain Band. That was a great five song, but it's so short. Um, so I, so that's. I, I won't do that because I, I know those songs so well in my head that I probably won't do that. I would just sing along to that. Uh, 
I would, I might, so I'm gonna have to pick a real album. I might go with, uh, boy, um, the album. Oh, I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna pick that. The, <laughs> this is gonna make dead to nobody. I'm gonna make the mixtape I next, I made for my, my girlfriend senior year of college because it was okay. so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> give me, give me an do. example. What, what was the song that you had off that? Was this well, a romantic? Sure a romantic I'm sure it was I'm sure it was songs that I thought I might get a little bit closer to making out with. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Uh that or I might pick I might pick uh the 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 Cures Three Imaginary Three Imaginary Boys album because I just relearned all the songs on my guitar over quarantine. So oh, very good. I might do that. All yeah, right. I like, I like some of the Cures old stuff. So I do that. And look, whatever album I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna hate by the end anyway. Of course. I'm listening to it the whole time. So I mean, of course. you know. Uh so in terms of book, uh I mean, there's a there's a strong argument for my dissertation. So when people show up, they'd be like, "Oh, look at this guy's a PhD." Like, so there's that. <laughs> I, you know what, I'm gonna. So you're I'm really gonna just pick, trying to impress your rescuers. Absolutely. I'm gonna pick. I'm. I'm here's the thing. I'm actually going to pick. I'm gonna go. Very, sorry. Wait for the people. For the people who are listening, you're currently turning around and looking at the books on the bookshelf behind you. Just, well, really, my choice. And here's the worst part: if I'm picking one off the bookshelf, my choices right now are Memorial High School Class of 1988. Uh, this, this is Cornell, or 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 the the picture book of March of the Penguins. <laughs> I'm particularly cerebral. I'm going with March of the Penguins. That would bring me a lot of pleasure. Fantastic. Watching those funny little creatures. You're 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 giving Adam Schefter a run for his money here with this uh, yeah. setup behind you. It's very impressive. <laughs> uh, I'd go with March to the Penguins. So that's so right now I've got I've got a uh, a mixtape that I made for an ex girlfriend who actually had no interest in me. Uh, I've picked uh, a Blizzard machine. Right. <laughs> And a picture and a, book, and a picture book of, of a documentary. Penguin. Very nice. Send me there. Send me there now. <laughs> oh my God, Keith, this has been so much fun. Uh, thank you so much for. I, I'm sorry to take up so much of your time, but this was awesome. Uh, tell Andre and everybody else to stay safe there. You know, uh, just send me all your complaints. I'll, I'll respond to them one by one. And uh, and be well. Say hi to everyone on the New Paltz Trail. Is everyone out? Is everyone out there on the trail? Is it safe on the trails? Yeah, it's doing okay. They're, they're, you know, the preserve has been closed for a couple of months. They're reopening tomorrow uh, with uh, oh, that, more that or less. Oh, that would be crowded. Yeah, no, yeah. Good. It's well. The <laughs> the downside of closing the preserve is that just everyone started going to Minnewaska and the the rail trail and everything else. So it it actually should help to dissipate the uh, the congestion a little bit. But yeah, everyone's right. everyone's doing well. Plug the podcast before you go. Uh, your podcast. Listen no, to this po oh, your oh, podcast. Sport? Okay, dummy. So uh, listen to look. Uh, if you're not listening to sports to sportish, you're going to regret it. Not maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but you will, and for the rest of your life, uh, it, it's it is it's going to make you laugh. It's going to make you cry. It's probably going to make you vomit at times. It is it is it is truly a work of art. And if you don't like it the first time you listen to it, that's that's your problem, uh, and it's something that speaks really poorly of your your condition. So listen to it again. Uh, you can find it. It's sportish, not to be confused with sports ish, which is a knockoff of some other podcast. You do not want to listen to that sportish. <laughs> we found there was another podcast, just like the Butlers found out there's another band named the Butlers. So we had to change our name at one point. Uh, so, like, uh, but so sportish. Find it on iTunes. Find it on uh, whatever all this uh, Stitcher, your toaster oven, whatever you want, and uh, iHeartRadio, and uh, and then be looking for us on i and 
for the fans network soon, which I believe you can get on Pluto. And if you know what that is, congratulations. Pluto the well. planet? So, yeah, well, it's Pluto, technically Pluto, not a dwarf not, planet. The dwarf planet, right, yeah. yeah. Good, good. How do I get one of those producers? What do I have to do to do that? Uh, you have to have a you have to have a former college student who is really bored. Yeah, uh, yeah. Spending a lot of time at home. Do you have to pay him? Um, well, we're all our our deal is we are we're in it together. We're splitting even. When oh. we hit it big, we're taking him. We're ta- he's to going the top. on the he's, he's going he's, he's drive he's his on life. the rocket. Sh- he's on the sportish rocket ship right now. Okay. So just tell you find you find some some someone who works in sports who is willing to take the this running podcast all the way to as far as you want to take them. But uh, the problem is I have to find somebody who's smart enough to produce a podcast, but dumb enough to realize that there's no way it's ever going to make any money. Yeah, you, it's really. Uh, or dumb enough not to realize. That. I mean, the, 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 as we like to say, you want, you, want to, you want to get people on that rocket ship to, rocket ship to mediocrity. So if people that can buy into that, <laughs> that you, you, don't, like, you don't want up here, you want really, and I just use my hands like people can see, but you really do want people who are you know, kind of cogs in the wall. That's exactly <laughs> the kind of people. people. That, that's that's your best kind of employee. Listen to Sportish on all your favorite podcast platforms and listen to The Pain Cave. Please like, subscribe, rate, do all that good shit. And until next time in The Pain Cave, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Broken down and beaten up. The years have been long and tough, but I'm not dead. Happy now just to spend some time with friends and have a roof above my head. I'm not tainted, just been faded like a good old pair of jeans. Rusted like a proud old car that's drove a little too far and seen too much rain. But long ago, as a child, I look about the night sky in the the bus feel upset to think of all the years I'd have to go through there I was still young I was still young